Welcome back. This is Jennifer and this is the Dwelling Richly podcast. Today we're going to go through Genesis chapter 15 through 18. Toward the end of today's message, at about the 40 minute mark, I will be showing some slides that will really help bring to life uh, some of the teaching points I'll be going over. I encourage you to watch this podcast on my YouTube channel or go on my website and get the slides there. Now, opening up here in Genesis uh, chapter 15, um, we're three great words. I'm going to be reading mostly from the NET tonight, bouncing back and forth to the ESV. So after these things, after what things? Defeating the kings. He just came off this big victory of defeating the kings and blessing another king, Melchizedek, the high priest king. And after these things, um, the Lord is aware of his heart's condition. If Abram at this time, his heart's condition, and he needs some reassurance. He, he needs that bolstering. And we see this pattern in Abram's life, Abraham's life, uh, throughout, um, he has a big incident, and then the Lord comes and meets him again and reassures him. And he says, I'm your shield and your great reward. And this is a hearkening back to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord's message came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield, the one who will reward you in great abundance. What has he just come from? Great abundance. He greatly defeated these kings. And he got a lot of booty, basically, at the end of that, loot at the end of that. And he's like, you know what? Even after that victory, and you might relate to this in your own life, even after coming off something big and strong and amazing in your life, the fear sets in, like, I'll never be able to do that again. That's not going to happen like that. That was luck. That was just this. That was just that. We, we diminish that. And God's like, all right, Abraham, I got you. Um, fear not. Uh, I am your shield. In other words, what you accomplished there with that big battle, I did that anyway. And I'm going to continue to be your shield and the one who will reward you in great abundance. So the protection and blessing that you just experienced was from me. And I'm going to give you more. Right. And so we see Abraham as a real guy, don't we? we he is real. And he's super real in the things that he goes through. And he's like, whoa, very human. And some of the other things he does. Verse two, but Abram said, oh, sovereign Lord. And how many of you are enjoying having to parallel with the names of God Bible uh, with you as you do your studies? I hope you're embracing doing that. It does help you to see those, those uh, names there. But Abram said, oh, sovereign Lord, what will you give me since I continue to be childless and my heir is Eliezer of Damascus? Okay, two things. Again, after these things, a huge victory, meeting an iconic, amazing man, Melchizedek. And what is on this man's mind? I don't have a kid still. <laughs> he, it's so personal. It, he, he is big in this big out world, but really it's very personal what he is dealing with. And we, again, we find ourselves relating to that. Any victories that you have in your job, in your family relationships, and anything going on in your life, but it's really those personal things that end up poking at our heart, and that's what gets Abraham, and he's like, sovereign Lord, right? The one who knows everything, sovereign Lord, what will you give me since I continue to be childless? And again, ironic, because he's just been given so much at the end of this battle, but he wants that child, and he knows there's a promise there, and so what's he doing? He's going to the solution that seems the most apparent to him. Now we're gonna see in a minute, Sarai has a solution that seems the most apparent to her. Here's Abram's mm -hmm. solution, most apparent to him. Um, is Eleazar, he's a great guy. He's gonna come up later on. He's a really good guy. And this could be the guy. 
and maybe okay, maybe I misunderstood. So we kind of go back through and we think and and we 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 question a little bit. Now, what's going on here? Really, I want some clarification. Abraham added. <laughs> okay, so actually, before I okay, so in your Bible you have verse two, and and we have Abram talking. Mm -hmm. Oh, sovereign Lord, what will you give me? A little question there. And then, um, do we get an answer from God between verse two and verse three? Did, did the writer forget that God, you know, didn't maybe write down? He was busy, got a phone call in the middle of transcribing this, and oh, I didn't write down God's answer. No, we've got crickets here. I want you to start learning, listen, to notice this when you do your study. Asked, not answered. Asked, not answered. I don't, you're, not, you're not getting an answer from this. So Abram continues, Abram added. If you read it in the Hebrew, it's really easy to spot because it's the same word over and over again. Wyomer, Wyomer, Wyomer. And it's very quick and easy to find that. But Abram said, oh, sovereign Lord, will you give me? Crickets, <laughs> nothing. So Abram's all right, okay, all right. Well, uh, uh, uh. and then he pushes in, you feel it. Since you have not given me a descendant, I continue to be childless. And where does he put the blame now? You have not given me a descendant. We're going to see this again repeated in Sarai's engagement uh, in a moment. Um, and then look, the one born in my house will be an heir. In other words, he's re-talking about and re-describing Eleazar. He, this guy was, I've known him since he was a kid. Uh, he's risen up to leadership in my own home. And he's going to end up being my heir. Hey, God. Verse four. But look, the Lord's message came to him. This man will not be your heir. <laughs> Let's not get anything confused here. But instead, a son who comes from your own body will be your heir. Don't confuse this at all. Nobody outside of your loins is going to end up as your heir. Let's probably be super clear on this. So verse five, the Lord took him outside. Well, what does that mean? Where was he during this whole conversation then? Inside. Whenever you see a shift in location, make note of it. Mm -hmm. That's a Bible study learning technique for you. If there's a shift, there's a reason. He was inside and then, oh, he took them outside. Oh, they were inside this whole time. And where, what would inside have been for them? What are we inside in? Tents, yeah. we're in a tent, we're in a tent, all right? He's a Bedouin, he's a nomad. And uh, so he's in a tent and uh, he's inside. And then the verse five, the Lord took him outside. So this whole conversation he's having with God, that makes the awkwardness a little tighter for you because they're in a room together, right? This isn't just him wandering around in the wilderness and God was hovering around him somewhere. When the crickets come and he asks them the first question, no answer, second question, he's literally in a room, in a tent with the sovereign Lord with no answer coming. Were they, anyone? Prayers bouncing off the ceiling? Yes, of course you do. And you have a tent where the Lord is with you. What's the tent that you have that the Lord's with you? Your body. All right, this was so awesome, and Joe and I certainly didn't plan this, but when we scattered out all the sermons for the, for the series in, in Ephesians, I got Ephesians chapter 2, 11 to 22, so he's sending me, you know, the outline, I'm going to preach on this, you know, you're going to do this and that, I'm like, oh, click, 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 done and done, you know, that was a few months ago, I'll look at it in a minute when I have, I'm writing this, so I'm like, going to look at it, I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me, the week I am preaching on this stuff in Ephesians, it's perfectly lining up with everything we covered, if you haven't listened to the message, Please listen to it. It's going to, I'm not going to cover, recover all that territory, but there's a lot in there that I hope will be a blessing to you. So the Lord takes him outside and says, gaze into the sky, count the stars, if you're able to count them. And of course he's not. 
that's a rhetorical, you're not able to count them. And then he said to them, so will your descendants be? So Abram's looking up, obeying God, one, two, three, four, uh, five, 49, 47, cricket sound. Oh, distracted. Oh, was I there? Orion's fell. I was like, oh man. All right, so your descendants are gonna be like that. You will not be able to keep track of your descendants. And now we get verse six, this big, beautiful verse that Romans is based on. Paul opens up Romans. Uh, James refers to this verse as well, and or this concept here. Uh, Abraham believed the Lord, all caps Lord, and the Lord Yahweh credited it as, what's the word there? Righteousness. Righteousness. Um, another Bible study term, the tool I want you to have in your belt in terms of what you use is the first appearance of a word, which will be easier if you know the Greek a little bit, or the Hebrew in this case, but this is the first time the word righteousness appears in the Bible, first, first appearance of righteousness, which you're like, really, what? That can't be right. It's true, righteousness right here, very first time. And it's this whole conversation from inside the tent to outside the tent, the whole dilemma going on with Abram and he believes the Lord. All right, it's like, okay. I believe you, Lord. And the Lord credited it as righteousness to him. And there's Abram's bank account right there, Phil. You're, you weren't righteous, now you're, you believe, now you're righteous. And we get this beautiful concept right here. I want you to circle the word righteousness in your Bible, connect it if you can, if it reaches on the same page, to Melchizedek. Because Melchizedek and righteousness are the same root word. Same root right. word. Yeah. Um, so Melchizedek is king of righteousness, and this oh, is the and uh, we're going to see this theme brought out, and I want you to start paying attention. When something's introduced, God just like reiterates it again. So he meets the king of righteousness, and then he gets credited to him as righteous right next. Verse 7, the Lord said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from the Ur of Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. We have history. We've walked together. I've been with you. I picked you. Again, back to the sovereign Lord idea. But Abram said, oh, sovereign Lord, by what can I know that I am to possess it? Possess what? The land. All right. He just said, I will give to you this land to possess. Okay. So remember, they move from the tent and then they move outside. Now, what is he? Where is he standing? On land. He's got the land beneath his feet and the stars above his head. That represents... All his descendants, the land beneath his feet now represents the land. And he's standing on the land. I will give you this land to possess. Oh, sovereign Lord, by what can I know? And he's looking down at his feet that I'm going to possess this, right? Well, how do you inherit something, right? Inheritance comes through death. Someone has to die. That's how you get an inheritance. Somebody dies, all right? So we're going to move into that. And I want you to start noticing these trends as you're reading through the scripture. And we have a big shift in mood that comes and an interesting trans and transition because he asked this question, oh, sorry, more about what can I know I'm to possess it? And I want you to think in your mind, this is the answer that I would expect. Here's my question. He's going to say, oh, this is how you're going to know uh, because there's going to be a lot of wheat growing in the field or there's going to be a bunch of oak trees on that land or he's going to give them markers about land. You just asked him, how am I know I'm going to possess it? The Lord said to him, get a cow. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> how am I going to know I'm going to possess the land? You did not hear the question. Go get me a cow. 
Give me a heifer. Give me a goat. Um, give me a ram, each three years old. And to be specific, a uh, heifer's male, a female cow. Um, a goat um, would be female as well. He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old. NHT doesn't nail it on this. Uh, I like the ESES when I switched over. Mm -hmm. A heifer three years old, female goat three years old, ram three years old. And then he says, turtle dove and young pigeon. So I want to know about the land. And um, now I'm old McDonald had a farm. I mean, what's going on? I, how are we, how do we shift? And again, Western mindset, we're going, what is he doing? Abram's not. Why? Because as soon as he starts talking about these critters, we know something's up. He knows because he's in this mindset. So Abram took all these for him and then cut them into, did God tell him to cut them into? There's no command from God to cut them in two and placed each half opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in half. So we got Abram knowing the drill. Oh, oh, you're, we're going to make a covenant. I know the drill. I know what this is because in the ancient Near East, this was how you made a covenant. All right. And so covenants were, you know, we say some things like a blood oath today. You heard that expression or signed in blood, you know, things like that. That's literally where this came from because that's what's gonna happen next. He takes the animals, he cuts them in two. Now, I'll tell you right now, if we had another hour, I would just move in on the all this, like what the heck with the ram, why the goat, why didn't he cut the birds? That's another day for another Bible study. If you want, take me out to coffee um, and I'll, I'll, you know, that pay me in coffee and avocados. All right, bacon. <laughs> all right. Um, he placed them opposite each other because he did not cut the birds in half. Uh, when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Again, there's too much to go into right now. Man, I wish I'm just like itching. Please, someone call me. Take me out to lunch. I will talk to you about this. We'll go over it later. Um, but these are all significant. Remember what I said in the very first lesson. There's no word in the Bible that's there like, oh, I don't know, a ram, a goat, a heifer. I don't know. God's like, no, there's a very specific reason. And this means something. Why is he picking these specific animals? And why don't those birds get cut? <laughs> what? Why didn't they get cut? and all that. So here we go. I'm not going into it, but I would love a date with you and I'll tell you why and we'll talk about it more. All right, so verse 12, when the sun went down, Abram fell sound asleep and great terror overwhelmed him. All right, so remember, he's done all this work. Slicing an animal open is not, this is a full grown cow, a full grown. A three year in is like, that is work. And he does not bring Eleazar in with him. This is him doing all of this. He is tired and he's chasing away vultures. And then the sun was already setting. It was already later in the afternoon when this got started. Now the sun's going down. Abraham falls asleep. Of course he does. He's tired. He wants to take a nap. He's like, nothing's happened yet. Nothing's happened. And a great terror overwhelms him. He falls asleep and then terror comes over him. I want you to think of somebody else in the Bible who's already been mentioned who fell asleep and God did a work on him. And a cutting took place. Yeah. Adam fell asleep mm -hmm. and a cut up, cutting took place. And God brought him together in relationship with wow. Eve. What? Start noticing those things. Like when does someone fall asleep? What happens when they fall asleep? What happens next when they wake up? And what happened during the sleep? And who was involved? It makes you like, 
God's word is so awesome. This is why we don't do Bible study. We dwell in the word. This is why I read a passage about 500 times before I get up and teach a lesson. Not exaggerating. Then the Lord said, because the first time I read it, I'm like, I'm quitting. I don't want to be a pastor anymore. This is too hard. I don't understand this. 400 times later, I'm, I'm getting close. All right. Then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your descendants will be. Okay, now listen. Listen. What did Abraham, Abram specifically just ask him? How do I know I'm going to possess the land? Go get me a goat. Mm -hmm. Okay. Gets a goat. <clears throat> Cuts them all in half. I know this could be a covenant. I'm worn out. You still haven't done anything. Now I fall asleep and I'm overwhelmed with terror in the middle of my dream. This is what the Lord Yahweh says to Abram. Only a focus. Your descendants will be strangers in a foreign country. What does that have to do with anything that I just asked God to, to be assured of? Nothing. It has nothing to do with anything. Because I just said, how do I know I'm going to possess the land? And now he's like, you're going to be strangers in a foreign country. What? Next time you feel confused about the direction God is leading you, just buckle up. Just buckle up. Just buckle up. <laughs> they will be enslaved. Wait. <laughs> we was probably kind of hoping for good news. Your descendants are going to be strangers. They're going to be in a foreign country. Do you know anybody in your life today that's strangers in a foreign country? Everybody in this room, raise your hand. You're not citizens of this earth. You're strangers in a foreign country. Oh. They will be enslaved and they will be oppressed for 400 years. Circle the number 400. That's a significant number. We'll get to it another time, but I want you to start noting things like that. But I will execute judgment. They're going to righteousness is going to prevail here i'm going to execute judgment on the nation that they will serve afterward you will come out with many possessions does he have land is there any mention of land yet no you don't own this land you're going to be a foreigner in a foreign country a stranger enslaved and these are not it's not even you this is your descendants good news for them hey kids i got a vision from god guess what <laughs> but as for you you will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age in other words you're not going to see any of this mm -hmm. i'm just telling you what your family's going to see mm -hmm. in the fourth generation your descendants will return here and then he's probably waiting for okay good and they're going to get the land verse 16 Part two, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its limit. <laughs> what? In other words, people aren't sinful enough. You're just going to be sin in your life if you haven't already experienced where you're like, you've got to be coming soon, Lord. This is bad. Things are bad in this world. And he's not going to come. And, and uh, all our older great uh, grandparents, great grandparents generations driving through wars and, and all the things they do. Hitler surely would have been the Antichrist to any of them, right? Who's winning those guys? No. The sin of the Amorites, the sin of the fill in the blank has not yet reached its limit. Wow. Right? So listen, also clarification. Where is the altar in this scenario? Has Abram built an altar? There is no altar. So this is therefore not a sacrifice. There is no sacrifice here. It's not a sacrifice. So be careful on that understanding. Like, oh, just those animals weren't sacrificed. There's no altar. There's no offering. No, none of the animals were lifted up and, and lifted to a uh, sweet smell, you know, burning up to the heavens. No ritual. Nothing was done with the carcasses. Nothing was done with the meat. Nothing's done with the blood. That's all. We get that all stuff later. This is not sacrificial. This is a completely different story. No words are spoken in a ritual. All right. Not calling on God at all. Abraham's asleep. 
Verse 17, when the sun had gone down, it's darker than dark now. And you're really going to see those stars when it's that dark, right? It gets weirder. A smoking fire pot with a flaming torch passed between the animal parts. Underline that, circle it in your Bible. Where else do you know, because you're a good Bible student, or at least you went to study school one day in your life probably, where does smoke and fire come up pretty quick in the storyline, coming up pretty soon? Smoke and fire. Big tower. Big tower of smoke and fire leading the Israelites out of Egypt. So this is a this is a hearkening to that moment. What did he literally just tell them was going to happen? You're going to be your descendants are going to be 400 years in slavery, and then he has this whole visual imagery of the smoking fire pot um, stove and a flaming torch passes between um, the animals. So we have smoke and we have fire, and that is always associated with the might of God when it's a reference in the Bible to some judgment or His presence. Verse 18. That day the Lord made a covenant. Oh. Oh, now we know what's going on. We are not told until verse 18 what is actually going on here. That was this is what's going on. So if you want to circle verse 18 and tie it all the way back to Abraham's question, hey, I want a sign. Here, this is what happens. This is the definition of what has happened. That day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham or Abraham. And then here we go. Here we get to the final thing that Abraham actually asked. To your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt, that's the Nile, to the great river Jordan. Is that what it says? No. What does it say? Think of Israel in your mind. Where is the Jordan River relation to Israel, uh, relation to um, Euphrates? Further east. Euphrates is way out east. Most of us think of Israel in that little slice of land between the Jordan and the Mediterranean, maybe a little bit down toward Egypt. Nope. God promised Israel the Nile River all the way across the Jordan to the Euphrates. It doesn't stop. So when you think of West Bank, that's the, what you think of West Bank now is the Jordan. When people say, oh, Israel, and they're trying to get the West Bank. You think that's the West Bank, man? We kind of get all the way out to the Euphrates River. The land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Kadamites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephites, Amorites, Canaanites, Dervishites, and Jebusites, all the sites, because they were all living in that whole area. Wow, right? You want to go back and restudy that again? I bet, don't you? It's super cool and exciting. I better get a phone call. Still want to talk to you about heifers and goats and whatnot. Bears, oh my. All right, chapter 16. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had not given birth to any children. Again, this is just like, oh, God just literally said, it's going to come from your loins. It's not going to be Eleazar. Now we switch to Sarai's part of the story, Abram's wife, not giving birth to children. She had an Egyptian servant. Abram has a Damascus um, uh, heir, you know, he's got that guy in mind. This guy, she has a different servant named Hagar. Uh, so Sarai says to Abram, well, since the Lord has prevented me, pause right there. Mm -hmm. If the Lord is preventing you, how about not? <laughs> like, let it go. <laughs> she should have full stop right there should have happened. Since the Lord has prevented me. That's when you say, all right, Lord, you're preventing me. You know, it's a right prayer to pray. God, I pray for victory. I pray for victory in every situation that your name will be made great. And then when you have a situation going on in your life that does not feel very victorious and you've confessed your sin and you've repented of your sin and this is a sin-related issue for you, then you say, all right, Lord, this sucks, but I guess this is a victory. It don't look like a victory to me, but this is pretty cruddy. And that's exactly what Sarai should have been doing right at this moment. Since the Lord had prevented me, she should have said, all right, Lord, this don't feel good. You're preventing me. But she continues from having children. Please, 
great idea. Sleep with my servant. Wow. Ladies, listen, there's a lot available to you in this culture that is completely fine with the culture to do to solve your problems. You can do any one of a number of things. In California, Lord have mercy, you can pretty much do anything and be culturally fine with anything. But what the culture says is an okay solution to your situation is not what God is going to allow. And that's where good fellowship with your sisters in Christ is really important um, because we need to be able to have those conversations with each other and say, well, that's what the culture is doing. I don't know if you should be doing that. You need to have those good avocado worthy friends in your life. If you don't know what avocado worthy is, you can take me out to lunch and I'll tell you about that too. <laughs> so after Abram had lived in, oh wait, um, that's important, sorry. Perhaps I can have a family by her. All right. Again, culturally, that would have been completely fine as a surrogate concept. That was completely fine. And listen to my heart. As someone who went through infertility for many years, this, I, this is not indicting uh, surrogate and, and adoption and all the different things. Because God had literally specifically said, it's going to come from you. You're going to be the people. And so she's sideswiping that. And perhaps I can have a family by her. Abram did what Sarai told him. Have you seen my big fat Greek wedding? Isn't that the best movie I've ever Who's the neck that turns the head? The neck that turns the head is the wife. The wife does. Go watch that movie again. It's a great one. We'll do it on one of our movie nights. The neck that turns the head. Sarai's the neck that turns Abram's head. That's not a biblical principle. That's not how it should be, right? You should be mutually submitted to each other as husband and wife and moving together, not manipulating the husband. But we see this and this harkens back to the curse. It harkens back to the curse. Because what did, what did God say was going to be a result of Adam listening to his wife? That, that's going to mess up that relationship from that point forward, and it certainly does. And so Adam gave away his authority and his uh, leadership in that family. And here we go. Abram does the same thing. He literally just had a conversation. He sliced animals in half. He saw the whole thing take place. And what's, what's super incredibly important about that covenant that, that took place with uh, um, Abram, is I want to make sure you understand this, is that he had nothing to do with anything in that covenant. That covenant was all God. See, in the ancient Near East, it would have been both parties coming together and agreeing to each side of their covenant. I mean, this happened to me being slid open and blood. In fact, a, a, a husband uh, who wanted to betroth to the wife would walk through and he would stomp his feet in the blood and splash the blood and stomp his feet as if to say to the father of the wife that he wants to marry, uh, I, this is what will happen to me being covered in blood if I do anything to break the relationship between you and, and this daughter. So fascinating. All right. So, but Abraham has nothing to do with it. He's asleep. God does the whole entire covenant, but he still is better the recipient of this blessing and this covenant. And he still blows it when he tells her it's okay, go with that plan. So Abram lives in Canaan for 10 years and Mark 10, because you're going to do a little math later on to try to figure out how old Isaac is and Isaac comes later. Um, so 10 years we got here, Sarai, Abram's wife gave Hagar, different servant to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar. She became pregnant. Once Hagar realized she was pregnant, she despised Sarai, which is odd. And yet she does. And there's that, that jealousy and that natural hatred, which happens with sister wives. And then Sarai said to, <laughs> Sarai said to Abram, you have got this wrong on me. Oh my, I'll take this turn. What was your idea, lady? <laughs> I gave my servant to your embrace, but when she realized she was pregnant, she despised me, may the Lord judge between you and me. Oh, he will, he will, that's coming. 
Verse six, Abraham said to Sarai, since your servant is under your authority, shouldn't have been under her authority. It should have been a household. We're going to talk about the importance of that father role there um, that Abram relinquishes. Um, do to her whatever you think is best. And man, I don't know, was he thinking slice her in half? Like I just did a bunch of those animals. Like what could possibly be on his mind? And that would kind of end his trouble. He's got a kid. I don't have this complaining extra wife. Sarai treats Hagar harshly. So she ran away from Sarai. Angel of the Lord. First time it appears in the Bible. Um, this is a good reminder of um, this phrase it appears several times in the old testament a few times in the new the interesting thing about the appearances in the new testament and it's not yahweh it's always lowercase l-o-r-d not all caps in the new testament in the new testament it's um l and then o-r-d and the old testament it's always all caps which means yahweh angel of the lord found hagar near a spring of water in the wilderness the spring that is long ago to sure he said hagar son of sarai where have you come from and where are you going does he get an answer to both those questions? No, she doesn't know where she's going. Running away, that's all she knows. Probably heading back to Egypt because the road to Shur was on the way to Egypt. Angel of the Lord says to her, return to your mistress, submit to her authority. What does she have to do? Return, she should repent. You're going in the wrong direction. Going in the wrong direction and submit, which also seems weird. Where else do we see this important word submit coming up? In the New Testament, again, Ephesians. We're going to get to that when we get toward the end of Ephesians, this idea of submission and marriage. It's a troubled thing because Abraham jacked it all up. I, you know, bringing this other woman involved, but the word, it, word still says, return and submit to her authority. I will greatly multiply your descendants, the angel of the Lord added, so that they will be too numerous to count. That's pretty cool. And then it gets weird. You're now pregnant. You're going to give birth to a son. You're going to name him Ishmael, underline that, Ishmael. But the Lord has heard your painful groan. So Ishmael is tied to the hearing of the Lord. It's a very important word. It's one of the most important words in the entire Tanakh, all of the Old Testament. The root of this word is recited every single day by religious Jews to this day. They've been doing it for three, 4,000 years. The root of this word is Shema. It's in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. And it's the opening of the Shema, the very famous Shema, hear, O Israel, Lord is one. And it's right there in, Is in Ishmael's name, Shema, Ishmael, right there. Um, the Lord has heard. So we have Ishmael and her together with painful groans. And he's going to be a wild donkey or literally wild ass of a man. Uh, he will be hostile to everyone. Everyone will be hostile to him. He will live away from his brothers. True, 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 true. Everything that is in that statement, because every descendant off of um, Ishmael are the Arabs, the non-Israeli Arabs. So Hagar named the Lord, which I think is amazing. First time that's happened in the Bible. Who spoke to her? You are the God who sees me. Ishmael, God has heard. You are the God who sees me. We have seeing and hearing. And uh, we get this name here. I've been seeing the one who sees me. This is why the well was called Yer Lahai Roi. It is located between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gives birth to Abram's son, where, whom Abram named Ishmael. Now, Abram was 86 years old. We'll do some math on that later. So we'll circle that so you can remember to get back to it when Hagar gave birth to Ishmael. All right. So from verse 16 there to, uh, I mean, yeah, the end of chapter 16 to the beginning of chapter 17. Uh, if you do quick math on that one, uh, how many years have transpired there? 
13 years and we have silence. Abraham is disobedient, Sarah is disobedient. We have silence from God, 13 years of silence. Abram's 99 years old and the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the sovereign God. Walk before me and be blameless. Very important word, this word blameless. Um, following after all this silence, the very first instruction God gives him is to be blameless. And the, I, God identifies who he is. He says this word to be um, blameless. Again, this is really an interesting thing. Um, when, what happened the last time the Lord met with Abram? A cutting, a splitting open, blood soaked. All right. Um, the Hebrew word blameless here is the word tamim. And it's the opposite of cut. It's the word whole. You are to be whole. You are to be perfect. You are to be without defect. So we, the last time I met with you, there was cutting and there was blood. And I'm meeting with you now and I'm you know, giving you this next visual imagery of you're going to be blameless that I may make a covenant, again, the word covenant, between me and you and may multiply you greatly. And Abraham falls. He falls on his face. And God says to him, behold, my covenant is with you um, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham. And we get this amazing name change moment, but your name shall be Abraham for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between you and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. And I just switched from the ESV to my NAT. So I want to get back to that. Verse eight, I will give you the whole land of Cain and the land where you are now residing to you and your descendants after you as a permanent possession. I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as far as you, I want to get back to that in a second. All right. <laughs> Hold on. Here we go. <laughs> You're going to have to stay late for that one. I, we don't have time for a cover right now. Uh, oh, it didn't switch again, did it? All right. Uh, so he goes into this next part of this covenant. The first covenant he gives him is a completely unconditional covenant. It means God does it all. Abram's asleep during the whole thing. God does everything. The only thing Abram does is set it up for God. And then God does everything. And so he says, okay, this covenant coming up. Now, we, you, there's a condition you're going to have to meet on this one. And uh, you have to meet this condition or the covenant is null and void. Like, you don't do this, you're not getting the, the, the goods. It's not going to happen. God says to Abraham, for as for you, you must keep the covenantal requirement. He didn't say anything about that in that last covenant with the cutting of the animals. God did all of that. I'm imposing on you, your descendants after you throughout the generations. This is my requirement that you and your descendants after you must keep. Every male uh, must be circumcised, circumcised the flesh of your foreskins, a reminder of the covenant between me and you through your generations. Every male among you who is eight days old, very important, very significant, medically accurate. If you know, any, if you study anything about blood, blood coagulation in babies, uh, the blood will get enough vitamin K. It does not have enough at birth, but it develops in the body of the child until about the day seven. It peaks at day eight perfect day to circumcise because the blood can now fully coagulate at day eight. And so that's awesome that the Bible has medically accurate information right there. Eight days old, you must be circumcised, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your descendants, 
they must be circumcised, whether born in your house or bought with money. Twice he says this, very important. Why? Because you weren't born in Abraham's house. You are a foreigner to Abraham's covenant. And the only way you and me can be brought in is through circumcision. And you're like, how is that going to work? Well, go ahead and read Ephesians chapter two or listen to my sermon on Sunday because I explained it all. Man, it's so cool. Um, but you get brought in because everybody who's going to be brought into this covenant has to have that circumcision. And Christ is going to address how that all works out spiritually in the New Testament. Um, just a quick note on the New Testament and on use of commentaries. I know you guys love your um, commentaries and always ask me which ones I should, I want you to use or recommend. And I'll, I'm going to give you, I rarely do this, but I'm going to go ahead and give you my favorite commentary. The best one you can use and get ready, write it down. It's probably the last time and only time I'm going to ever um, recommend a commentary. But here is the best commentary to get the New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> New Testament, there's your commentary. You want to understand the Old Testament, you read the New. It's amazing how it reveals the Old Testament. Read the New Testament, it's amazing. Best commentary on the Old Testament is the New Testament. Mm -hmm. They must indeed be circumcised. Son of the covenant will be visible in your flesh as a permanent reminder. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised, force can cut off his people. He's failed to carry out my requirement. And the Lord God said to Abraham, as for your wife, he's probably going, wait. She, is she going to get circumcised? <laughs> As for your wife, no, not going to happen like that. You must no longer call her Sarai. Sarai. Sarai will be her name. I will bless her, give you a son through her. Through her, I will bless her. She will become a mother of nations. Kings of countries will be from her. Abram bowed down with his face on the ground, laughed as he said to himself. And this is the laugh of joy. It's not the laugh of doubt. If it was the laugh of doubt or disbelief, he would have been judged because Zechariah was judged and struck mute. Uh, dumb he couldn't speak um so this is not the laugh that needs to be judged this is a laugh of delight and like oh my gosh and wait to hear what sarah says next um because sarah, sarah bear a child at the age of 90 abraham said to god oh that ishmael might live before you and he's like no stop it's not about ishmael and because he's excited and he's like oh come on ishmael too no god says no sarah your wife is going to bear you a son and you will name him isaac and what had Abraham just done? Laughed. And then he'd get this name, Isaac. I will confirm my covenant with him as perpetual covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, what does Ishmael's name mean? Shema, hearing. As for Ishmael, I have what? Heard you. God's doing that on purpose, you guys. Heard and Ishmael's name right there. You can listen to the rest of it later. You're going to want to, just really. I know we went long tonight. I will indeed bless him, make him fruitful, give him a multitude of descendants. He'll become the father of 12 princes. Who else of Abraham's descendants gets to be the father of 12 princes? Jacob. Jacob does. <laughs> so very interesting parallel here. I'll make him into a great nation. But he gets a promise too. Well, that's a man and all that, but he gets this great promise right here. Ishmael does. I will establish my covenant with Isaac. That's who's gonna the descendants gonna come from is Isaac because you can't be having descendants the special one coming from everybody. It's gonna have to follow a line. So he focuses in on here, whom Sarah will bear to you at this set time next year when he finished speaking to Abraham. God went up with him. Abraham took his son Ishmael, every male in his household, whether born or bought, and circumcised them on that day. That's immediate obedience. Mm -hmm. Immediate obedience. You're gonna start seeing that pattern of Abraham's immediate obedience going forward, just as God told him, do not Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised. His son Ishmael was 13. 
Uh, and that's why the Jews to this day have the tradition of um, their bar mitzvahs at the age of accountability, which is 13. And it harkens back to this time here of being 13 years old. And that's to this day, they recognize that. Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised on the very same day. All the men of the household, whether born, this household are bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Again, he's obeying and he's obeying right away. Chapter 18, this is going to be good. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to the tent. Is he in the tent? Nope. No, it's outside. He's right there, right there by the front of the tent. Pay attention to these things during the hottest time of the day. So he's got that little covering over him at the entrance of the tent. Why? It's too hot in the tent. It's where it gets all stuffy in there. So he's out in the entrance. We can feel maybe a little bit of breeze. Abraham looked up, saw three men standing across from him. When he saw them, he ran because he recognizes them to the entrance of the tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, my Lord, not all caps, just regular acknowledging of um, somebody special. Not all caps here. I have found, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by and leave your servant. Uh, let a little water be brought so that you may all wash your feet and rest under the tree. And let me get a bit of food so that you may refresh yourself since you have passed by your servant's home. After that, you may be on your way and all right. You may do as you say. And so Abraham hurries and uh, into the tent and says, Sarah, quick, take three measures or say as a flat, fine flour, knead it and bake bread. A say is equal to 144 eggs, by the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 144 eggs. Uh, so that would be three sayas, 432 eggs. Uh, I'm told Sarah to make to take three sayas of meal and uh, make all of this food. And so I, I did find this neat picture. I'll show you this one. Uh, this, here we go. <laughs> um, so somebody actually like tried to do the recipe and made a huge ginormous challah bread to kind of uh, imitate what it might have been what it might look like. So Abraham, hey, welcome back. I'm glad you're here. This is Jennifer and this is the Dwelling Witchley Bible Study. This message is going to take us through Genesis chapter 15 through 18, an amazing passage. And I'm going to invite you to, if you are just listening to the message, to go ahead and maybe watch this one over on my YouTube channel. Uh, just go to YouTube and search Jennifer Richmond for the Genesis study. And you'll be able to catch the slides that are available to see at the end of the message about the 40 minute mark so again go to the end of the lesson and uh, hey this is Jennifer and this is the dwelling Witchley Bible study we're going through Genesis chapter 15 through 18 and today if you're just listening to the podcast I'm going to encourage you to hop over to YouTube and watch this video at the 40 minute mark I'll be introducing some slides that will be especially helpful to you to grasp the content so hop over to YouTube and watch it again at the 40 minute mark and I'll see you over there um, if you don't know what that is he, he couldn't do what he needed to do to make a kid and she couldn't either she's all dried up and so the New Testament makes that super duper delicately clear but clear and so if I can't do that then the girl can't do what you know enjoy other stuff and that's why this next sentence is so funny first of all Sarah laughed herself thinking after I'm worn out while I have pleasure it's not the laugh of doubt it's just like what no way I haven't felt like that in a long time Verse 13, the Lord said to Abraham, why is there a laugh and say, well, I really have a child when I'm old? Is anything impossible for the Lord? Such a beautiful verse. I love that. I will return to you when the season comes around again, and Sarah will have a son. Mm -hmm. Then Sarah said, lied, saying, I didn't laugh. <laughs> because she was afraid. The Lord said, yeah, I did. You laughed. It's just delight. I love it. 
All right, so when the men got up to leave, these are the three guys he's with them, they look out over Sodom and that's the mission that they were on. And we're gonna get into this a lot more in the next chapter, but Abraham goes to this whole scenario of bringing them down. And he says, the outcry against Sodom and great. And I must go down and see if their wickedness is, is as big as everyone is saying it is. And it's, it's just God, you know, saying, um, having this conversation, of course, kind of with himself and then also with Abraham. And um, Abraham gets involved in it. And he's like, hey, I don't know. Uh, you really don't sweep away the godly with the wicked or the righteous. Where did we just see the word righteous? Mm -hmm. Circle it, connect it. Oh, Melchizedek, your righteousness. Boom, over here to righteous. That is a theme now that we're seeing repeated. Do you really sweep away the godly with the wicked? Doesn't sound like you. Doesn't sound like you, God. Let's work on this. And so he engages with God about it. And God engages with him. I love this. It tells us a lot about who God is and how he wants to be in, engaged with. So he goes and works him down. Uh, 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. Anyone that tells you, oh, those Jews, they always make a deal. Of course they do. It's just right here. This is exactly what's happening. It's going to happen again in the next chapter coming up too. And he says, um, you know, kind of asks for forgiveness. And he works him down all the way to 10. Finally, Abram said, the Lord, not be angry, so I may speak just once more. What if 10? And he replies, all right, I won't destroy it for the sake of 10. And mm -hmm. you know, ahead in the story, of course, they don't find 10. And so he does destroy it, and you'll get to that in a minute. But when, why did Abram stop at 10? Do you think about that? Why not one? Why not one? Why not one? I always think. Yeah, one. <laughs> Law would have been maybe the one. Maybe he was the thinking of daughters, the daughters and the brothers and brothers. Yeah. yeah, and the wives. Yeah. Yeah. So he's Lot like trying to round it up a little bit. Do you want to keep pushing? <laughs> you got to read the room sometimes, Abraham. You got to read the room. All right. <laughs> right? Um, so you are free to go. We've talked a lot. I went, I knew we were going to go long tonight because of having a big discussion group. If you have the ability to stay, I will go through this. If you're online and you're able to stay, I will um, talk to you a little bit about this awesome name change. And again, don't, if you need to scoot, scoot if you don't. So let's do a little bit of um, Hebrew understanding. Let me make sure that people online can see this. If you cannot see the screen online, I will make, I'll be making these slides available later. Um, and so you can just print them off. So hopefully you're seeing it um, a little bit. All right, so we have the first two letters of the Hebrew alphabet here. This is Aleph and Bet or Bait, Aleph Bait. And Aleph means, has a lot of meanings. Our letters don't mean anything. A doesn't mean anything. But Hebrew, they, it means things. It means a number, one, first. If you have a Hebrew clock, it'll be Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Hey, Vav, Zayn. It'll be one, two, three, like that. That's the days of the or week in the numbers. It means head, it means leader, it means strong. And the Paleo-Hebrew, the old style before they, this is after the Babylonian, they started writing it like this. Um, it actually looked more like an ox, like the head of an ox with like a little horn sticking out, kind of morphed into this. Bet or bait uh, is second, and uh, means house. Kind of looks like a little house, little house right there. You can kind of sit inside there, you sit in your little house. It means family, all right? Um, so Aleph and Bet is first two letters of the alphabet, and it, it means um, all those things pulled um, together. And so we go on to this next letter I want to introduce you to. And this is the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, alphabet, hey, and this is he, the hey. Um, put your hand in front of your mouth like this and say Aleph. Aleph. Say bet. 
Okay. Now say, hey. Okay. Now really put your back into it. Say, hey. Okay. All right. Which one did you feel the most? Okay. Hey. He says, it's your breath. And hey refers to the breath. It's the fifth. It's the heart. It's the essence. It means behold. Like if you saw something, you're like, behold. Like it's, it's guttural. All right. It also is associated with fertility. It's composed of two Hebrew other letters, the yod, which is a little smaller part, and then the dalit, um, and it refers to width and, and height of something. And so we have um, aleph and bet, and that word as a word is ab, say ab, and that's father, because the father is the head of the house, the head of the family. We have head and we have family, it's the head of the house. What would happen if we took that hey and added it to Aleph and, and Bet? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to show you. Uh, so we have Aleph and we're going to put the hey inside there and the Bet. Now we have a new, we have a new word. We have Ahab. We have Ahab. And uh, we have the head of the house and um, with the hey added inside of it, now we have love. We have love. Ahab is love. Okay, so Hebrew is fascinating because we can we can see what the letters mean by themselves, and then we come together and they mean some of their parts also added up to that whole as well. So let's take a look at Abraham and Sarah, or Abram and Sarai. Um, Abram's name you'll recognize um, is Aleph and the Bet. He's the head of the house, right? And his name means father, right? Father, and he has um, the Reish, and he has the Mem in his name as well. Reish and Mem, Aleph Bet, Reish and Mem. And it means high or lofty father. And we have Sarai, and her uh, is the sound Sarai at the sin, and the Resh also in there, and the Yod. We saw the Yod um, earlier, and it's also in the, the name of God. Yod Hebate is the name of God, Yahweh. And her name means princess. What would happen if we put a hey in um, Abram and, or in Sarai's name? And when we did that with um, Ab, we, we transformed it completely because it added the essence to the father and it became the, this love, right? So now let's take a look at Abram and Sarai and see what happens when we put the hay in there. So we add hay to that and we have Abraham and we get the hay out of there and he's father of a multitude. He's, and we have, the, we have Sarai going to Sarah. Now she's not just the princess, she's a princess of princesses. He's the father of all the fathers. He's the prince of all the princes. Um, and he's the, the head guy and he's the essence, which is what that hay meant. The hay is also representative of something else. Put your hand over your mouth again and say, hey, what did you just feel? You felt your breath. Whenever the breath is mentioned in the Bible, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the ruach, the ruach, the Holy Spirit, the breath. What did God put into Adam? His breath. The breath. Of one. The breath. <laughs> into him, right, right, so when we put the hay into Abram and Sarai, uh, we are putting the spirit into Abram and uh, Sarah, and that means the spirit, it also is related biblically to fertility, isn't that beautiful, mm -hmm. so there's the meaning, and why um, uh, Abram to Sarai, uh, Abram and Sarai to Abraham and, and Sarah, and adding that hay is so fun, Learning That's Hebrew is, cool. is super cool yeah. and super fun. And I hope you're enjoying this Bible study and getting all those awesome good things. And you guys online, thank you for being with me for this whole time. Uh, if you have questions for me, I got a little more stamina. 
<laughs> I can I can answer any questions that you have. And um, otherwise, again, we went long. Thank you for staying. And tell your friends what you really. <laughs> Oh, yes, I'm, like, I'm, like, yes, yes. I'm sorry, I can't go now, but yes, I'll come for months, and then I'll answer your questions. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, thank you, online people, for being here.